Alright, Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11 this morning. Luke 5, 1 through 11. Let's pray and then we will dig in. God, we thank you for your word and we thank you for this uh, particular passage. We pray that you'd help us um, to, um, to understand it, to believe it, uh, to be changed by it. We are, we are depending upon You for this work in our life. So we pray that You do it by Your Spirit through the Gospel of Your Son. And uh, we will um, help us to be, to be careful to thank You, God, and um, to, to, to live in, in humble dependence and humble gratitude um, for Your good work in our lives. We're nowhere without it. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Luke 5, 1-11 says, On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats. And so they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. This, um, this passage helps us to see what it looks like to follow Jesus. Following Jesus, you kind of, you, 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 you know it when you see it, and that's because of passages like this. Um, I, I, uh, I, I spent this, uh, a few days this week up with my dad and mom in Michigan. Um, many of you, have uh, new and, and and you've been asking and praying and I'm thankful for it. My dad had a uh, stroke earlier in this week and um, um, he he had it actually on Sunday night. And uh, if you knew my dad, this story would make perfect sense to you. On Monday, he just wanted to power through, right, and pretend like he didn't have a stroke. Um, and so he didn't he didn't talk he he told because my my mom said your your face is drooping. He's like I have a toothache. And, but he couldn't do, he couldn't do anything. He couldn't, he couldn't, he, his right, the right side of his body just wasn't working. And he was just gonna kind of drag himself around and power through. And he was getting increasingly frustrated, um, until finally Tuesday morning they, they, you know, he let them call the doctor and, uh, and they took him to the doctor. And the doctor said, you need to go to the hospital right now. You've had a stroke. And so he's, so he's in the hospital for a couple of days and they never really figured out why he had the stroke. They've given him like blood pressure medicine and, and, um, high cholesterol medicine. And uh, and they told him to stop drinking so much coke. And I was like, two out of three ain't bad. And uh, um, 
and, and they think he might have arrhythmia and this kind of stuff. So, but he, they think he's going to make a, a full recovery. And it seemed like it. He was, his speech was, was getting better even as I left on Friday. And um, he's able to do some things with his right side and with some therapy and stuff. Um, but my dad is an awful patient. If you were to, if you were to try to watch my dad be a patient in the hospital, this, he would not be a good example. He's not a good example. Is you can't, you can't look at, like we can look at these guys here and, and see what it looks like to follow Jesus. You wouldn't be able to look at my dad and watch him and say, that's, that's how you, that's how you be a good hospital patient. My dad was, um, he wore his jeans the whole time. He wore the whole time. And they said, you can just wear the gown. He's like, no. And, uh, and, uh, and, 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 and they say, well, we'll, we'll get you some pajama bottoms. You can wear those. No. He goes, I want to be ready in case I get released early. And I, so I was like, dad, that's not, I mean, it's not going to happen. He kept turning his monitor off. It would beep and he would turn it off. And they're like, the nurse is like, we need that. He's like, it's bothering me. Well, no, you, you gotta let us turn it off. Okay. And, and, uh, and, and, and as he was being discharged, the, the nurse said to him, she said, now, Ken, this is a, this is a blood pressure log. You need to, you, you know, when you take your blood pressure, you need to write down what it is so we know. And he goes, yeah, I'll file that with all my important papers. And <laughs> So she just hands it to my sister. She's like, you're going to have to take care of this. And she's like, yeah, I know. So, um, so we know what it looks like to be a good patient, a good hospital patient. Um, and don't look at my dad. Um, and uh, he did, though, reminding me of this passage and... Um, he did. The, the the nurses were like, you know, you we want to take care of you. We we want you to get better. We, and he's like, I know where I'm going when I die. And they're like, that's that's great, but you you know, <laughs> we don't want you to die right now. We want you to get better. And 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 then he just gets into the gospel with them. You know, he's like, well, I know where I'm going. You guys know where you're going when you die. Just and even any nurse that came in, they, he you know, he was doing more checkups on them than they were doing on uh, him. You, you know it when you see it. I've seen it in my dad a lot, what it looks like to follow Jesus joyfully and courageously and faithfully. I've seen a lot of other stuff too, but I've seen what it looks like to follow Jesus. Um, you know it when you see it. And uh, Peter and James and John, they have just as many issues as my dad does. They have just as many issues as I do. We, but when we look at their lives we see what it, what it looks like in this instance to, to follow Jesus, to follow him joyfully and courageously and faithfully. I hope you see it in my life. Um, you're going to see other stuff too. You're going to see stubbornness that I'm going to need to repent of later. I, Bethy gave my dad a card and it, and it had um, all things work together for good to those who are called according to his purpose, those who love God are called according to his purpose. And he read that card when he got home He's like, yeah, I should have read this before. I'd probably have been nice to my nurses. And yeah, you probably, you probably would have. You're going to see other stuff in my life that I'm not proud of, that I need to repent of. Uh, but I hope you see what it looks like to follow Jesus. And that's what I'm hoping to see in you, too. I'm going to see stuff that you need to repent of. I am. You're going to see it in me. Hopefully less and less as we get more mature in Christ. But we're going to see it in each other. But what I also want to see in you is what it looks like to follow Jesus. I need to see that in you. You need to see it in me. So this passage will help us. This passage gives us five answers to the question, what does it look like to follow Jesus? What does it look like to follow Jesus? We're going to see...
five answers to that question. All right, so let's work through them together. The first thing that we see in this passage is that to follow Jesus faithfully, joyfully, courageously, it means, number one, we obey Jesus even when it feels pointless. We obey Jesus even when it feels pointless. I love when Jesus is done teaching the people. He's standing out there on the boat. The crowds are pressing to Him. So He gets in a boat and, and, it, and He's standing there and He's teaching from this boat. And, and, and the crowds are on the shore. And then He says to Simon, the owner of the boat, He says to him in verse 4, uh, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all no- night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. So, so by this time, Simon is, is a follower of Jesus. He calls him master. Alright, so, so by this time, Simon is invested. He's, he's bought in. He's following Jesus. He sees Jesus as his, as his master. He's gonna follow him, right? He's gonna trust him. He's gonna obey him. He's, but, Simon is thinking here, this is the dumbest idea I've heard all day. I, I, I fished in this spot all night. There's nothing here. Simon's like, I've, I've been, I've been doing this my whole life. I know when there's fish and when there's not. I know when it's time to just say, you know what? We failed. It's, it's over. We're going to try again tomorrow. It's, it's over. Simon says, we were, we were working at this all night. And Simon's exhausted by now. But he says, but at your word, I will let down the nets. I know there's no fish there, but since you told me to, I'm going to do it. This is so often what it's like to follow Jesus. This is so often what following Jesus looks like because we come to the Word of God and, and to follow Jesus, it's just, it's just submitting to, to the Word of God, to the, to, the, to the principles, to the commands, to the directives we find in, in the New Testament. And, and we just see over and over and over the, the Word of God t- calling us to to pursue holiness, to, to fight for, for sexual purity, to, to fight for generosity, to be generous people, to be forgiving people, to be humble people, to be kind people, to, to tell the truth, to not slander. Like, like we, we are to go all in on obeying the Word of God. And there's so many times when we're just like, you know what, I've tried it. It didn't work. It didn't work. I, I, I tried, in my relationships, I tried to be kind, to just, to just, compassionately speak the truth, to be as forgiving, as merciful as I can be, to, to be as generous as I can be. I've tried, and it's, it's not worked. This person is, they, they treat me the same they've always treated me. It's not, it's not getting any better. It's pointless. There's so many times where the Word of God says to us, this is how you've gotta live. This is, this is, this is the word of Jesus to us. This is what it means to follow Jesus. To say, Jesus is my king. I'm just gonna do it. I'm just gonna obey him. And there's so many times where it's just like, man, this feels pointless. This feels stupid. This feels stupid. I, I feel like I'm getting nowhere. We do it anyhow. We say, we say, Jesus, I've, I've, I've tried to be kind to that person. I've tried to just tell the truth. I've tried to refrain from bitterness and from slander and from envy. I've, I've, I've worked really hard to be pure in my relationships. I've, I've, I've worked hard to be generous. I, I've, I've tried. And it doesn't seem like I'm, I'm getting anywhere. Jesus says, well, just keep going. Just keep going. And so what it looks like sometimes is just for us to say, at your word, this is what I'm going to do. 
doesn't feel like it makes sense, but I'm going to do it anyhow. Doesn't, it feels a little pointless, I'm going to obey anyhow. Number two, so that's the first thing. Number two, we, we grow in amazement at Jesus' goodness and power. Right? We, we grow in amazement at Jesus' goodness and power. Verse 5, Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word, I will let down the nets. Verse 6, And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They, so, so Simon Peter knows enough about fishing to know this is a, this is a miracle. This, this absolutely cannot happen. There's no way this can happen. This is, this is provision from Jesus. Simon gets that almost right away. Verse 7, they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so they began to sink. So these are big boats. These are not like, these are not like dinghies or like fishing canoes. These are, these are, these are not, this is not like a canoe, alright? The, the, um, like about 10 years ago, they, they recovered this boat from 2,000 years ago. It's a fishing boat. And they co- recovered it from the Sea of Galilee. So it was like a typical fishing boat um, from Jesus' day. And it was 26 feet long and like 7 feet wide. It was a big boat. And so, and so this, this size boat is filled with fish. That's a lot of fish. That's a lot of cubic feet of just fish. All right? They're bringing in a, just a ridiculous amount, an absurd amount, an impossible amount. And Simon's looking at this and saying, this is, this is crazy. This is crazy. And they get two boats and they fill them up. Who knows how many fish? This is a ton of fish. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. So in verse 5, Simon Peter calls Jesus master. Right? Which means you're, you're the boss, you're the one I'm going to follow. Uh, you're, you're, you, I'm, I'm, I'm going to obey you. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to co- commit to you. But in verse eight, he uses the word "Lord," which is a different, it's a different word. It can mean just master, but the way Luke has used it, Luke's only used that word thirty times so far in the book of Luke, and every single time that he's used that word for Lord, he's referred to Lord God. It's been with with God. It's been it's been a, a word that that shows. Deity, divinity. Peter is saying here, and he doesn't have all the pieces together. It takes him, it takes all the disciples a while to put the pieces together. In fact, they don't, they don't really get it until after the resurrection. Um, But here, Peter sees Jesus in some way as divine, as having divine power. Peter understands that he is in the presence, in some way here, he's in the presence of God. He's in the presence of God. Peter is amazed by Jesus' goodness and power. And what I want for you this morning and what I want for me is I want us to look around and I want us to be amazed by Jesus' goodness and power. So let's, let's think about this little story and we're, let's not just think about fish, like, like fish just kind of flopping around in the boat, alright? Although that by itself is amazing. But let's think about together what Jesus was was proving to Peter in this. So, so in, in just not very long from now, Jesus is going to say to Peter, he's going to say, you're going to go catch men. Like this just huge haul of fish that we just had, you are, you're, you're, you're going to go and you're going to catch men. And this is what it's going to look like. 
Jesus says, I am going to gather people, tons and tons and tons of people, a ridiculous amount of people. I'm going to gather huge people. I'm going to build my church with just this huge people. There's going to be, there's going to be people from every tribe, every tongue, every nation, all over the world is going to be in my family, in my kingdom, in my church, Jesus is saying to Peter. So, so he wants Peter to lodge this away because he's going to say to Peter, He's going to say, I'm going to build my church. I'm going to use you to build my church, Peter. And and hell itself is not going to be able to stop me, he's going to say to Peter. He wants Peter to go forward knowing Jesus is going to do something amazing. It's not just about the fish flopping around in the boat. That is a small picture of what Jesus is going to do for the next 2,000 years. He's going to build this, this magnificent, huge Church, when, when God talked to Abraham about this, right? When God talked to Abraham about this, God, God used the sand on the seashore, right? He used the stars in the sky, saying, Abraham, your family is going to be huge. And then that, in Galatians teaches us, that promise was, was kept in Jesus Christ, that we are Abraham's huge family. When, when God uses, when, when, when Jesus tells that to Peter, He's using a ton of fish. He's saying, he's saying, Peter, it, the, 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 the kingdom of God is going to be, it's going to be huge. There's going to be people coming from all over the place. There's going to be people gathered in from all over the place. It's going to be good. He's, 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 he's getting Peter ready for the, for the big catch, for the big haul. When we look around and when we see, see, so the most amazing conversion story I know, the most amazing conversion story I know is there is this kid, um, and he was a um, left to his own devices. He absolutely. Lazy, lustful cynic. Someone who, if an authority figure told him something, his, his immediate instinct would be to not believe it. Didn't matter who said it. If they were a position of authority, if they said it, he would just kind of, there's no way that's true. Rebellion was deep, deep within him. And, and if he was going to be saved, if he was going to be saved, God was going to have to take his heart of stone and do something that only God could do and, and make that a heart of flesh. No doctor could do this. No preacher could do this. No parent could do this. He had amazing parents. He had amazing parents. They could not take his, get inside and take his heart and, and, and give him a soft heart. Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. The only way this kid was ever going to believe the Gospel is if God did a miracle in him. And God did a miracle in him. And he is just one of thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of miracles. They look different. They have different languages. Different hometowns. Miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. 
the most amazing conversion story is my own. I should not be saved. I should not be. Left to my own devices, I would not be. It's a miracle. So are you. You're a miracle. And Jesus has done thousands of them. Thousands and thousands and thousands of them. Let's grow in amazement at the way Jesus is building his church. His goodness and his power. Number three, we grow in humble self-awareness. We grow in humble self-awareness. I love what Peter says. Peter sees, he sees all these fish come in, and, he's like, and, and, and he, he falls down at Jesus' knees in the midst of all these fish. I mean, there's tons of fish there. And he just kind of flops down in them, um, falls down at Jesus' knees. And what does he say to Jesus? He says, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. This is what happens when people come face to face with God in the Bible. This is what happens. They are just filled with self-awareness. They're like, oh my word. I am a wretch. This is what happens when we, when we get an understanding of who Jesus is. Then we start to understand who we are. We cannot understand who we are unless we know who God is. And Peter gets it here. He gets it. This is one of the best things that can happen for us. So when, we, when we understand more and more of who Jesus is, just how good and how holy and how powerful He is, we get, we get a, a growing understanding of that. The other thing will, that will definitely happen to us is a growing self-awareness where we start to just realize just how much of Jesus' mercy and grace we need every single day of our lives. We need, he, we need His new mercy every single stinking morning we wake up. We need the mercy, the grace of God. This is what has to happen for followers of Jesus. We grow in our awareness that we are sinners. We, we grow in this like we're just suspicious of ourselves. We are, we are quick to repent of our sin. I mean, we don't, we, we, when we apologize for our sin, we don't say stuff like, well, I'm sorry if I offended you. I'm, I shouldn't have made that, you know, I, I made a mistake. I made a poor choice. I, I, I should have, I should have done that better. No, we, we just say, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. I've sinned against God and I'm sorry. I want, I want Jesus to change me. I want the Holy Spirit of God to change me. I, I need His grace and His mercy right now. We just, we just own the fact that we need Jesus. This is what it means to follow Him. It's just this, we just, we have this walking around understanding that we need His grace right now. I don't want to, I, when, if, if I died, Right now, I don't want God to let me into heaven based on how good I was the last 24 hours. It's not what I want. I don't want God to play back that tape and say, were you good enough for heaven in the last 24 hours? There's not a, there's not a 24-hour period in my life I want Him doing that with. I want the righteousness and the mercy of Jesus Christ. This is so good for us. Because here's the thing. This, this is where real joy, real courage, real contentment is in this understanding that we don't have to, we, 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 we can't and we won't accomplish it in our own strength. We won't get there by ourselves. We need day by day, moment by moment, mercy from Jesus. This is so good for our sanity. It's so good for our joy just to walk in humble dependence, to be suspicious of our own sin and to be thankful for His mercy. 
humble self-awareness. This is a lifelong pursuit. It's a, it's a lifelong pursuit for the follower of Jesus. Fourth one, fourth one, we get involved in the sure work of Jesus. I love how Jesus responds. So Peter flops down with all those fish and he, he just says, get away from me, Jesus. I, I am not, where, and he, he doesn't mean, he doesn't mean like he really wants Jesus to go. All he means is I don't deserve to be in your presence. I don't deserve to be your follower. You need to just ditch me right now. I'm nobody, Jesus. I am a sinful person. I can't, I don't, I don't bring anything to this team. I don't, you, you just give up on me. It's what, it's what Peter was saying. He's just filled with this like, I'm nothing. And, and, uh, Jesus says to him, I love this. I, I almost cried this week reading this. Of course, I was almost crying a lot this week anyhow, so that, I don't, but anyhow, I almost cried reading this. And, uh, verse 9, for he and all who were with him were astonished. Peter and James and John, verse 10, sons of Zebedee who were all partners with Simon, they were astonished at who Jesus is. They were just like, who are we standing next to right now? And, and Peter says, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. I don't deserve to be here. And Jesus said to Simon, you're right. I didn't think about that. Out of here. <laughs> Jesus said, you know what? That's true. I'm going to go find perfect people and use them. No, he says, do not be afraid. This is what Jesus says to you and me. Yes, you're a sinner. Yes, you're a sinner. Yes, you need my mercy. Yes, you need my grace. Yes, you need to be people who are repenting of your sin. Suspicions, suspicious of your own desires. Quick to say I'm sorry. Quick to say I need the mercy of Christ. Yes, that's who you are. Absolutely. That's who you're going to be until you die. Yes, but you're, you're my people. You're the people I use. I want you. Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. From now on, Peter, you're going to be in, you're going to be doing the sure work of Jesus Christ. This, this huge haul I'm going to take in over the next thousands of years, Peter, you're going to be, you're going to be in that. You're going to be in that. Yes, you're going to have stuff to repent of along the way. Absolutely. Yes, there are going to be times where you just do not feel worthy. Absolutely. You're going to have to lean on my mercy. There, there are going to be days where you just, yes, absolutely. But you're the kind of person I'm going to use to build my kingdom. You are the kind of person I'm going to use to build my kingdom. The people that God is reconciling to Himself, it, they're the same people that He sent out to do the work of reconciliation. God doesn't have any perfect, spotless, stainless ambassadors. He has repentant ambassadors. He has sin-confessing, sin-fighting ambassadors. He has self-aware ambassadors. So you have to keep both of those things together. You have to have this understanding. Yeah, yeah, I, <laughs> I need the grace and mercy of Jesus. Absolutely. I'm nowhere without it. But then you also have to have, right along with that, Jesus has commissioned me to, to, to get involved in His sure work, in His, in His kingdom building work. We have to have both of those things in our minds and hearts. We have to suit up every day suspicious of our own instincts, of our own sinful desires. We have to suit up every day self-aware and humble. But we also have to understand that Jesus has commissioned us. He's been using folks like us ever since He shoulder-tapped Peter in that boat that many years ago. This is who He uses. 
He knows you struggle. He knows you have things you need to repent of along the way. He knows you need His mercy. But He also knows that, that His Father, by His Spirit, through, through His own, Jesus' own life and death and resurrection, has transferred you into, into His kingdom. You belong to Him. You've been forgiven of your rebellion. You're, you're being changed by His Spirit. You're being shaped by His Word. You're being held by His grace. Dads, dads, think about this with me. Men in this room, you have, you have children at your house. You have, you have got to have real conversations with your kids about the Bible, about believing the Gospel, about following Jesus. And I know you're thinking, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy to do that. The question, when we, are, when we say, I'm not worthy to do that, the question is, do, do we belong to Jesus? If we do, then let's confess our sin, let's trust in His grace, let's get going. This goes for all of us. Let's get after it. Let's actively look for ways to make disciples among our family and friends and co-workers and neighbors. Let's carry both of these things together. Yes, we are people who need the grace of Jesus moment by moment, but we're also people who have been commissioned by Jesus to make disciples. This is what following Jesus looks like. And then finally, number five, we, we choose the glory of Jesus over anything else. Number five, we choose the glory of Jesus over anything else. And when they had brought their boats to land, verse 11, they left everything and followed Him. This was the biggest haul of fish that they'd ever, they'd ever seen in their lives, right? I mean, this is one, they, they're going to they're gonna make the news with this one. Evelyn Albertson made the news this week, right? She's, she's 127 years old and she still works over at, uh, or whatever, I don't know. I, I round it up. I don't know what you are. You're, you're a lot of, you're a big number, right? Um, and she's, she's over there working at Washington, so she made the news this week. This is, this right here would have made the news, right? This would have made the news. This would have, this would have been one of those stories that, man, that looks doctored. That, that, that photo looks doctored. That looks like Photoshop. That's a lot of fish. This, this is ridiculous. They walk away from it. They walk away from it. They say, we want, we want, we want to follow Jesus. So this is going to look different for all of us. It's going to look different for all of us. What it looks like in, in our lives is going to be, it's going to be very different in, in each of our lives, but it's going to look like something. People are going to be able to tell. The people who, who know us, who are in our lives, who are impacted by us, they're going to know that Jesus is more important to us than anything else. It's going to show up in the way we do our job, in the way we spend our money, in the way we treat the people around us, the way we make decisions. Jesus is more important to us than anything else. We want Him to be glorified. What, what opportunities do you have this week? Let's think about this together. What opportunities do you have this week to, to obey, even though it may seem pointless. There may be some ways where you're, you're going to obey, but it just seems like this is, I'm just stuck. This is ridiculous. Nothing's getting any better. I've been faithful in this area and it just, nothing is getting better. I've been, I've been, I've been trying to be faithful and pure and like I'm just not finding a spouse. I, I've been, I've been trying to do like just honor God with my money and I'm not getting anywhere. I've, I've been trying to be very kind to this person and they, they're still treating me like garbage. I'm, I'm just not getting anywhere. This stinks. 
You're going to have opportunities this week to, to obey the Word of God even though it seems pointless. You're going to have opportunities this week to dwell on just how amazing Jesus is. Think about your own conversion. Think about the stories of conversions that you know of. Think about what Je- how Jesus is building His church all around the world. Think, just think about it. Just be amazed at Jesus' goodness and His power. You're going to have opportunities this week to confess your sin, to be honest about your ongoing need for God's, for God's grace. You're going to have opportunities this week to get involved in making disciples, get involved in the sure work of Jesus, in the, in the making disciples among your family and friends. And you're going to have opportunities this week to, to, to demonstrate that the glory of Jesus is the most important thing in your life. Jesus of Nazareth, 2,000 years ago, he, he died for you. He died for you. He lived a perfect life so that He could die in your place so that you could be forgiven of your sins. So you'd be forgiven forever. So that you could be gathered into this, into this massive family. Into this eternity of joy. So that, you could, so that you could be pardoned from the punishment you deserve. The punishment in hell you deserve. You, you're going to escape that because Jesus has, has bled and died for you. He's taken your punishment for you. Have you believed that? Have you, in your own heart, your own mind, your own life, have you believed that? And if not, then please do. Please believe it right now. Please believe it. If you have questions about that, like I always say, please reach out to us. We'd love to try to talk about that. Like I always add, I don't, I don't yell this much in person. Like I, we can have a conversation. I won't yell. Very little spitting. It's going to be fine. I keep all of that to a minimum when I have, you know, human interaction. We can do it. If you have questions, I'd love to talk to you about Jesus. And if you have believed, then, then this is our week. Let's, <laughs> by His grace, let's, let's get after it. Let's pray together. God, I thank You for this story. I thank You for all, all the amazing stories in Luke. They're just... I, I just thank you for him. I thank you for, I thank you for how powerful Jesus is and just how much good he does with his power. And I thank you that, um, I thank you for the work he did in my heart and in my life. I don't deserve to be in this kingdom, in this family. I don't deserve an eternity of joy with you. I don't deserve it. Left to my own devices, I would, I would, I would argue and kick and scream and rebel and I'd be and I'd get what I deserve. Thank you for for waking me up to understand that Jesus got what I deserve. So now I get what he deserves. I pray that you'd help me this week to to get after it to hate my sin, to love my Savior, tell people about Him. I pray, that, I pray that for all of us. I pray that if there's somebody here who's never believed, that they'd believe right now. That they would, they would personally put their faith in Jesus. We thank You so much for Your grace to us. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.